Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 239. And this one is coming to you from Roatan, Honduras. It's probably the last one that's going to come from Honduras. Then I'm going to head back to the States, where I'll be kicking around a couple of different states for about a week and a half. And then I'm going to head on to Iceland, and I'll bring you some cool stuff from there. In this episode, we headed to French Key in Roatan and we met up with Luke Johnson. Luke's brother Daniel started the Daniel Johnson Sloth and Monkey Hangout, and now the family runs this sanctuary for rescued monkeys and sloths and macaws, and it is awesome. I've always wanted to hang out with and hold a sloth or multiple sloths, and at their hangout, the sloths roam free. So they're right on the water, and there are some mangroves, and there are all sorts of trees. And the sloths chill all day and crawl around, and they eat leaves right off of the trees. And it's someone's job to kind of spot them all day. But as you'll hear from Luke, his family is really extensive. So most of the neighboring houses belong to his family. So if an animal gets out, someone can just call over and be like, hey, we've got one of your sloths up in our trees, and they'll come and they'll grab them. It's a really cool place. So I talked to Luke about the hangout, but we also talked about island life. Luke is like a fifth generation Honduran here in Roatan in his family. So he was born and raised here and he spent the vast majority of his life right here on the island. So he had some awesome insight into what it's like to grow up here, what's done, what's eaten, how people spend the day to day. So we talked about that too, in addition to talking about the animals. If you want to see the animals, I recommend you come here. You can't, you absolutely cannot miss going to the Daniel Johnson Sloth and Monkey Hangout when you come here. But if you're not coming to Honduras anytime soon, in the player for whatever you're listening to this in, there will be hyperlinks to their social media and their website. I've also got a picture of me with the sloth up on my Instagram page so you could check that out. Also in the notes for this episode, there is a link to my Patreon account. That is a subscription-based service where you can give monthly and get some cool kickbacks. This month, as a reward for some people, I've got some chocolate from Vidal's Chocolate Factory from a couple episodes back. But as always, there's stickers and shirts and postcards from around the world, all that cool stuff. All right, folks, enjoy this conversation with Luke Johnson. Cool. Well, first of all, Luke, thank you for having me. This is super exciting. I've already learned a ton from you on the ride over. And like I was telling you, it's been a, life, <laughs> a lifelong dream of mine to meet and hold a sloth. So well, uh, I appreciate you. Yeah, it's my, it's my pleasure, man. We, I love meeting new people. That's, I think that's like one of the best parts about my job in general is the fact that every single day that I work, I mean, I'm working, I'm meeting new people. And I've made... <laughs> I don't even know the amount of different friends from different places all over the world. So I think that's the coolest thing about my job, in my opinion. So, yeah. Is welcome. there like a preferred social media of choice here that like you stay connected to people through? Facebook. Facebook. Okay. Facebook. Yeah. Facebook is like the, you know, best thing. It's been the best thing now for a few years to stay in contact with people. Uh, I have friends in Oklahoma. I have friends in London. I have friends in Australia. Oh my gracious, I have a friend in uh, Scotland, you know, and I all met them here. So it's super cool. So now you have a place to stay like all around the world, right? All around the world, yeah. All around the world, yeah. Now, before learning about the diversity of Honduras from you on the ride over, Mm -hmm. uh, and I I say this with like total respect, if I had met you, I would have thought like, oh, maybe he's an expat because of like the image in my head of like who is from Honduras before I came here. Uh, but you were born and raised here and you've spent most of your or most all of, of your me. life yeah, here. all of my life yeah I've never actually moved off the island like I've, I've I've been on vacation and stuff you know a week at most away from the island but I've always lived my whole life right here in the island yeah and don't worry I get that a lot too yeah. 
where um you know everyone come by and they're like, where are you from and <laughs> I, I i run the longest joke sometimes i'm like how about y'all guess where i'm from and they guess everything but Roatan. they literally say i'm from london they say i'm from well england in general and they say oh you're from australia you're from south africa i'm like no 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 and literally it could last like 40 minutes until they actually say are you from here yeah I'm like yeah i'm from here how how many generations of your family have lived in Roatan? I know at least five oh. on my mom's side, at least five. So where is your family from like before that? Okay, so I don't know much about my dad's side, to be honest with you. I don't think anyone knows too much about my dad's side. Um, from what I understand, we were just descendants from some British pirate or some British naval officer or something that were either here in the island or in Grand Caymans way back when. I'm talking about, you know, 1800s, 1860s, 1870s, somewhere around there. Whoa. Now, my mom's side is actually the one side that I know more or less where we're from. And I think it's really, really cool because my one of my grandpas, maybe a great, great, I don't know how much greats ago, grandpa, fought in the Civil War back in the States. So it's really cool because my, my long, kind of like second or third cousin, they actually had a sword that he used in the Civil War for a while, but I honestly have no idea where it is today. I don't think, I, I, I guess they may still have it, I'm not sure. But it's super cool because he fought in the Civil War. He was, he was from Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, after, the, after the South lost, then he moved into Caymans, from what I understand. And then at, in those years that he was in Caymans, there was a lot of people moving from Caymans then to Roatan for a few different reasons. Um, I guess maybe the, the, you know, the farming wasn't as good in Caymans as it is here. And maybe the word got around back in those days. I have no idea how, because there was definitely no internet back then. And then, uh, so a lot of people in that time frame of the late 1800s were moving from Grand Caymans to here to the island. And so one of my grandpas then, that was, that's where he's from, one of them. And I, I already told you about, I really have no idea about the other one, to tell you the truth. And so I'll, then once he moved here, um, this is another thing I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he had his kids here on the island. Like if I'm not sure if they were born here or if they were born somewhere else and he just traveled with them. But I'm pretty sure they were born here in the island too. And then they had kids and they had kids. And my grandpa, he's 90. He's going to be 93, I think. I'm not good at the mat right now. But um, he was born in 1927. So I think it was, I don't know, 27 or 28, somewhere around there. But he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's up there. Let's put it that way. And uh, so he's told me a whole bunch of stories. And we didn't talk about this in the car. And I'm super happy but, um, that we didn't because now we get to see, now I get to see your reaction for the first time. He has told me because I love my grandpa. He's like one of my favorite people in this world. And so I spent a lot of time with him. I, you know, I drive him around whenever he needs to do a few errands and stuff like that. Uh, he still takes care of his own cattle, by the way. So that's really cool. At 93 years old, he's still taking care of his own cattle. He still takes care of his own, like, farming. He does, like, last year we cropped a bunch of uh, watermelons that he planted, um, plantains, bananas, you know, stuff. He does that all the time, still at 90-plus years. So um, I'm with him a lot. And he's told me stories about this place we were in, French Key. He's told me places about the, you know, stories about the whole island in general and how different it was way back when. You know, you'd get around. You know how we have a privilege nowadays. We came from Weston in a nice car, yeah. nice road, you know, AC. Everything was good. Back in the day, if we were back when my grandpa was a kid, we would have had to go to Weston by probably more than likely by boat or walking or if we're if we were rich, <laughs> we would have a horseback. We would go by horseback, so we'd have a horse. But um, mainly, people just traveled back and forth by boat. So that's really really cool. And you mentioned about doing the mangrove tunnels and stuff. Yeah. Um, how was that? Was that really cool? Oh, it was beautiful, and it was really cool to see. It, it reminded me a little bit of some time I've spent in Southeast Asia, like people living on mm -hmm. the water up on like stilted houses. It was really cool. yeah. Up there in Oak Ridge, there's a lot of people living basically right on the water. That, yeah. So the guy that, um, I know a guy up there that says a joke about this all the time where some people literally throw their, a fishing line right out of their porch or right out of their window 
catch a fish and go straight with it to the frying pan is super funny and i don't doubt it at all yeah i mean i would i'd probably do it you yeah. know um well yeah so um those little dories that you guys ran that's what we call them by the way the motorized canoe you were in mm-hmm. we would call them dories or tuk-tuks so i call them dories but there's another little smaller little vessel that is very similar to the one you were in, just way smaller, and it doesn't have a motor, and it's, we paddle it. So you have those big wooden paddles, and that's exactly how they used to get by back in those days. So thankfully, the, the reef kind of helped them out a lot because they would mainly just stay on the inside of the reef instead of going outside where the big waves are at. You know, so they would still like into the harbors and did paddle from here to Coxon Hold if they needed to get around and, and stuff like that. Uh, that was super crazy, you know. Was this a good place to grow up for you? Oh, definitely. I, I've loved the island, you know, from the minute I left the island, I always want to get back to it. Like I miss, this is home for me. Everything I have is here and I don't actually picture myself living anywhere else. And honestly, if I had to relive my childhood and if I had the option to live somewhere else, I wouldn't. I think I just, all right, well, let's do it again. Let's live right back in Roatan, right back in French Key, Roatan. I love French Key. It's my favorite place on the island. Um, it's a really good place to grow up. I grew up with a lot of friends, you know, neighbors or my cousins and stuff like that. We grew up playing soccer in the street, jumping in the water, swimming over to what we would call back in those days the creek that is now known as Little French Key or Big French Key. You know, we'd swim across and we'd jump around and play and stuff. And have you had, I don't know if you have, probably not. And don't feel bad if you haven't, but I'm going to get you some after we're done here. Um, in Spanish, they're called juguitos. It's basically, or, or topeillos, it's basically a, a plastic bag and it's filled with a Kool-Aid or, or some type of drink and it's frozen solid. In the Philippines, they have something similar. Okay. Yeah. And that's like kids love it. Yes. So same here. People here, we love that growing up. Um, And so what we would do is me and my brother Daniel, sometimes we we used to have one of those doors I was just telling you about. And it was made out of a mahogany tree. It's basically a dugout. And so um, it was made out of a mahogany tree. And we used to call it the mahogany. And I mean, that thing was just literally unsinkable. We could flip it upside down. We would literally be able to flip it upside down and stand on it and jump off of it. And then, I mean, it would slowly sink when we stand on it, of course, but it was just the funnest thing ever. And so um, we would paddle from our house just, just a little bit down the road, well, down the water, I guess, down the stream, whatever you want to call it, to a little local store. And we'd just buy about 20 limpiras worth of these Topoios. And I mean, back in those days, it was one a piece. So that's 20 of them. And we'd fill the, the canoe up with water. And then we would we'd just put all the topoios in there. So it would be like cooler. They would make, the topoios would be frozen solid. So they'd make the water we're sitting in a lot colder. And it was just so fun, you know. And we'd paddle then over to the creek that way and back and it was just, oh my gosh we had so much fun growing up here and that's just one of the stories you know I could I could tell you honestly so many childhood stories that happened just right here in this community there's a unique culture here and there's like obviously a, a unique culture to growing up on an island in island life uh, whereas obviously that's all normal to you because that's what you were growing up in and it's your everyday life Definitely. was there ever a moment like through seeing like media or TV or something where you're like oh I'm actually growing up in a way that's unique from a lot of other people in the world of course of course so you know when we were kids we'd watch Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and stuff like that and we would see stuff like like say for example a burrito like we actually, like, we always had burritos here in the island, but, you know, seeing it on a cartoon or seeing it in a series on TV, it looks so different. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or nachos, for example, nachos and cheese, stuff we have on the island, stuff we've always had, but it's just, you, you look at it so differently, you know? Or those slushies, for example. I, I, when I was a kid, I wanted a slushie so bad, I didn't know that I could, I could actually get one. Stuff like that, you know, this city life, uh, bowling is another thing. You know, when I was a kid, I was like, dang, I want to try bowling so bad. 
it, it looks so fun. And well, I mentioned to you that I made my first trip to the States last year and we did go bowling with my brother and my sister and uh, my sister-in-law was super fun. I love bowling, by the way. So hopefully one day we have a bowling alley here in the island. That would be something really, really cool. There's no movie theater, right? There's there's like a little, what do you call them? Like um, dine-in movie or something like that where there's a little place where you can order some food, oh, you okay. set a table and you eat and they play a movie in the background or they... And it is really cool, but there's, it's not an actual movie theater. So no, we don't have an actual movie theater at the moment that, you know, we'll put out like the new movies and stuff like that right away. No, we don't. But they're supposed to be, we're supposed to be getting one in the mall. So um, oh, okay. hopefully, hopefully we're supposed to be getting some new fast food. We're supposed to be getting a Wendy's, a KFC and a Popeye's. And then we're also supposed to be getting a movie theater here, right there in the same mall. So hopefully, because I love that place. That's right, that's right across the street from the soccer field. Yeah, so I was going to ask, if those like fast food companies come in, is that good or is that bad? Well, honestly, it's kind of, I mean, I guess it's kind of both. Uh, you know, fast food isn't necessarily a good thing for you, huh? <laughs> but um, it's kind of good because, well, Ruatan, a lot of people have that one saying about, oh, well, you're in island time, island life, and it's slow and relaxed and stuff like that. And honestly, it's kind of true. Uh, we, we do live a very laid back life. But for a lot of people, especially people working in the tourism industry, we are actually pretty sped up, you know, like we we have to get a certain place at a certain time and we have to do this and do that. And so I think the fast food could be a, a good or a bad because it, it, it'd be a lot easier to get food then. So um, I guess you got to look at it those two different ways, I guess. Are most of the, the jobs here and like the opportunities surrounding tourism, basically? The best ones are, yeah. yeah, definitely, or the most paying ones are definitely. Um, the, the tourism industry right now is our number one industry. Other than that, then well, we still have a little piece of the, the fishing industry on mm-hmm. the island. Fish, you know, the fishing guys they go out for months at a time and they catch like shrimp, they catch lobsters and fish and stuff like that. But um, you know, it's a lot more work than the tourism industry, and it's not as good paying as the tourism industry. So yeah, other than that, then well, of course you have like the supermarkets and the gas stations mm-hmm. and stuff, but they need employees and stuff like that too. But again, same thing I just said, you know, not as good paying as the tourism industry. And well, we need stuff like the tourism on the island, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your family doing before the sanctuary here? Like, was there a family business? Okay, so yeah, before the sanctuary, the sanctuary, we got our first animal in 2011. And well, we didn't exactly open up as a sanctuary until a few years a few years later. So it was probably like maybe 2014 or 15 when we actually opened up to the public because, well, you know, we already had all the rest of these animals out here at that point. So we, we might as well have done it. And um, before that, then my mom was working in the, with the cruise ships. She would work as a driver. She would basically do like day tours and stuff for the cruise ship guests. And then my dad worked on, in the fishing industry too. So he was gone a few months at a time uh, out of the year. You know, they would go out fishing. Sometimes I'd go, I'd go two, three months without seeing my dad when I was a kid wow. all the time. And that's because, well, he was fishing, you know. And then, well, my brother, then once he got out of high school, he went into the tourism industry as well. And then, well, my sister, actually, she wanted to be a teacher. You met her, right? That was the girl. Yes, yeah. yes. And so... um. When she got out of high school, too, she actually started working at another high school as a teacher, an assistant teacher, really. And so then she worked there for, for like a year or two. And then eventually she came more to the tourism side, too, because, well, that's, you know, where we're at. And then, well, once the sanctuary opened up, uh, we've been doing basically this full time now since then. So this is something our, our whole family is dedicated to. My mom, my dad, me, my sister and my brother, we, we're all here. And we also have cousins who work with us. Um, all of our guides are either family to us or people that we grew up with and consider family. So when you were growing up, I'm assuming then like most of the activities that you're doing, like at your leisure time and hanging out, like revolve around the ocean, huh? Definitely. So, so I mean, if, we're, if it's not the ocean, it's probably playing video games or playing soccer or just you know, I don't know how we do it, but us Rotanians, we have an ability to do nothing together. 
and be totally cool with it. Mm, that's cool. <laughs> you get what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like my friend would message me. He'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. He's like, all right, I'm going to come over. He comes over and we do nothing to- yeah. together, <laughs> you know? But um, so a lot of the times we'll just like walk down to the store, you know, grab, buy a few sodas and a few little chips and stuff, walk around drinking the soda, eating the chips. And when we're done, we're like, okay, cool. See you later. Or... If we get in the water a lot too. Yeah. yeah. We're in the water just about every day. You know, we'll just, we're totally cool with just sitting in the water at the dock or sitting in the water, you know, next to our house or something like that. So I was super fortunate that I, I'm literally right on the water. Like I'm about probably 30 feet away from the water from my house. So oh, yeah. I, I, I got in the water a lot as a kid and I still do now, actually. You know, when you're young, you are prone to making bad decisions because you're young you're not Definitely. experienced and you're cocky uh, are there ways here that like kids get in trouble all the time <laughs> i cannot tell you the much so this is super funny actually my mom has always been a very kind of worrisome mom she likes to you know make sure she knows where we're at always she doesn't she didn't like us jumping into the water head first if it was too shallow and stuff like that and so just so this is just kind of an example mm-hmm. you know because I'm sure there's more than one kid that can share this exact same story with you. My mom told me, she said, I said, Mom, Mom, I'm going to go down to the store and just grab a few sodas with my friends. She's like, okay, Luke, go down there, but do not get in the water. Just don't jump in the water. So I said, yeah, Mom, don't worry. I'm not going to jump in the water. And so the local store here in French Key, it has a dock right in front of it. We got the soda. We were sitting on the dock, having some fun. And then... Out of nowhere, one of my friends pushed me in the water. I was like, well, what am I going to do now? I told my mom I wouldn't jump into the water. She more likely won't believe me that someone pushed me in. So what am I going to do now? Like, am I going to get, you know, punished? Or she's going to beat me or what's going <laughs> to go on? And so I was super scared. That, that was like the most terrifying walk home ever. Why didn't she want you in the water? I don't have no idea. Okay. <laughs> it was just a island moms. Some, most of them tend to be very, very overprotective. Okay. So I guess that's probably why. But um, yeah, I've lived here my whole life and I've never been scuba diving for the same reason. I've never been scuba diving because my mom is just, she's super scared of it. And I want to do it. Like I, and I will eventually, of course, but I do free dive though. So I, I'm okay with what I see free diving for now, but I will definitely screw it at some point, you know, but that's just, you know, an example of how overprotective some island moms can be. And that's pretty typical? Oh yeah, that's very typical, especially in my family. Are there any dangers to the island? Anything you need to watch out for? I mean, not really. Tell you the truth, here in the island, just about, just like everywhere else in the world, you don't mess with anyone, Mm. you're good. You know, um, you don't get into bad stuff, you're good. Um, the island is a very, it's always been a very nice place. You said yourself that I don't look like I'm from here. You know, sometimes I go onto the beach, like in West Bay, West End, and I get offered the same thing you'd get offered yeah. because, you know, you're, you're a tourist and yeah. sometimes people think I'm a tourist. So I get offered all the massages and stuff like that. So just the same way I'm mistaken as a tourist by the vendors, I'm pretty sure I could be mistaken then by the people that would do something bad, right? So I've lived here my whole life and I've honestly never been like in any sticky or bad situation where it's, you know, I got robbed or anything. Never. I've, nothing has ever happened to me. Now, I'm sure it has to other people, but not me. So yeah. I consider myself either very lucky or, well, I mean, it's just a safe island in general, to tell you the truth. Did you learn multiple languages growing up then? Because there's different dialects yes. here. And- yeah. So... We speak a Caribbean English here on the island. It's very, very different than every other island in the Caribbean. Um, and it's mainly because our country is a Spanish-speaking country. So we mix a lot of our words with Spanish words. Like, say, for example, if I'm telling you, hey, Tim, I'm missing a letter in my keyboard or something. You know, that's how I'd normally say it if I was talking to you. If I was talking to someone else, you know, here on the island, I'd be like, hey, a falta a letter in my keyboard. We'll use, we'll, we'll replace the word missing for falta, which is just a Spanish, you know, tra- translation. So um, we use that. We have some made up words too, like the word Anna. Tim, tell me what you think the word Anna means. Anna? Anna, yeah. 
I don't know. It doesn't sound like anything. It Anna. doesn't sound like... Okay, Anna, you want me to use it in a sentence for sure, you? Sure, sure, yeah. Okay. So if I'm talking to a group of people, I'll be like, what Anna doing here? I'd be like, what? what? Are you? Are we? Okay, you're, you're getting there. We basically... You can replace the word Anna for y'all. Y'all. Oh, or okay. you all. You know, we say y'all here in the island too, but mainly a lot of people say the word Anna. And that's, that's kind of like a Rotan thing for y'all. Now, Utila, our sister island, they actually use it a little different too. Instead of saying the word Anna or even y'all, they'll say among you. So they'd be like, what among you doing here? What are y'all doing here? What oh, are y'all up to? Stuff like that. They say, what among you doing? It's really cool, right? Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess then if people do think that you're a tourist, you could really surprise them then by oh, like yeah. dropping some lingo, yeah? Exactly. Oh, that's cool. Exactly. And then, well, of course, I have to learn Spanish too. So I'm fluent in Spanish. I'm, well, of course, I speak English. Do you ever, like, have you ever gone over to the mainland? Yeah. We, I've been over there a few times. Uh, I was actually born in the mainland. Oh. You see, there was that specific year in late 1990s, early 2000s, the doctors here in the island weren't exactly the best when it comes to giving birth, you know? So a lot of the, the moms, especially the overprotective moms, like I was telling you about with mine, they basically went over to the mainland and had their kids there and then, you know, made sure everything was good. They were fit to leave and then they'd bring them right back over here. So my first few days of life, I was actually in La Ceiba. That is our closest city. It's just a ferry ride over, like an hour and a half. So, um, but from there, I've, you know, grew up here in the island, so... Every other day I spent here, but I do go over, like if, if you have a serious injury, you know, you break your arm or something, you can take care of that here. But I don't know, a lot of people just feel a lot more comfortable going over to the mainland because there's, there's better doctors, there's more doctors over there. So um, you have choices, you know. Um, so yeah, I've been over to the mainland a few times for medical reasons, health reasons. And then I've also been over there, like I bought my car, the car we came in. Mm. I bought that in La Ceiba uh, because that's where all like the, you know, car shops and car dealerships and stuff. That's, that's where there. the ferry goes, I guess? Yes. Okay. But the ferry, the ferry, the ferry we currently have isn't big enough to bring a car over. Oh. Like you can bring over a motorcycle or even a, a quad or a four wheeler over. But um, if you want to bring over a full on car, then you have to ship it over then, uh, you know, with a shipping company. It's called Island Shipping. Uh, super cool, super good, super reliable. Um, everyone, all of these cars, every, literally just about every single car you see on the island, I'm pretty sure every single one of them has been brought over that exact same way. I see. You know, I don't know a lot about the mainland because I haven't experienced it. I haven't been there. And a lot of what you hear in the media, it's like, I don't know if this is, is true or not. Um, but, but most of what we get in the States is that like, it's pretty tough there. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. People will say like, it's got the highest, uh, murder rate in, in Central America. Um, I think, I think we're second now. I think we're second. To okay. Salvador, unfortunately. And I, I mean, yeah. no disrespect for that. No, I, okay. I say that to say like, <laughs> that's what I hear. Yeah, um, I gotcha. and, and I haven't, been there like how how true are those things and like how like how safe or dangerous do you or does it feel to you well i've been i've been to a few different places in the mainland my sister my brother have both been to even more places than i have and well you've met my sister you see how she looks just like me my brother mm -hmm. looks just like me um and honestly nothing bad has ever happened to me nothing bad i've never even again not even felt like i've been in a bad situation however they're 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 of course just like all over the world again, there's places in the mainland you definitely don't want to go as a tourist. Um, but I think if you avoid those places, you'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, I've been even in like the bigger cities like San Pedro Sula and Tegucigalpa, which is the capital, and nothing. I mean, I, I love the capital. It's so fun, especially for a little island boy like me, you know, that big old city. I was, I was, I love the capital. That's really cool to hear because that that's consistent with like my experiences while traveling when I've gone places and people are like, eh, I don't know. So yeah, there are certainly like dangerous places in this world. Definitely. Um, but there's also just very good people living in those dangerous places. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm happy that, you know, you see that and I hope that everyone listen, is listening to this. They understand that too. Because yeah. you don't want to judge, you know, a whole country just because one part of it is bad. You know, just just try your best to keep out to, to find out those bad places first, and keep away from them, and you're good. 
you know, but Honduras is a very beautiful country. The wildlife in Honduras is amazing. We have Copan. Copan is the department of Honduras where the Mayan ruins are. It is beautiful, Tim, mm. buddy. I highly recommend you go over there. There's a place called Macaw Mountain. And, well, it is. My brother has been there. and He loved it. it is, from what I've seen in pictures and stuff, it is such a beautiful place. So, um, you know, shout out Macaw Mountain, yeah. I guess. But it's, it's beautiful. Um, and then you get to learn so much about the country just by going to Copan, you know? You know, it's funny because... Americans have this idea of like American exceptionalism, right? Meaning that like what Americans do is really great. And if I had never been to the United States, but I was like paying attention to the last four years in the United States, I'd think that is a freaking crazy place, man. Yeah, definitely. So like, I guess what was your perception, like people's perception here to like the social unrest and the politics and stuff going on in the States? Did it seem like a crazy place? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, you had the protests and, you know, you had just so much stuff going on in the last four years, like you mentioned. It's been crazy. But, um, I mean, but again, that's not the whole country. Right, exactly. But unfortunately, the media and a lot of the news and stuff, they only cover a lot of the bad. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I I think everywhere, like everywhere in the world, has that exact same thing where mm. as long as you know where to go and you don't you treat people well if you do treat people well you'll be treated back well in my opinion i mean i guess it's bad stuff happen to good people sometimes too wherever you are but, yeah um, that's true i feel like we shouldn't be scared you know i like that you get what i mean we shouldn't be scared we are I, i've talked a bit so in previous episodes hopefully people have heard these before hearing our conversation here I've talked a bit about the neighborhood of West End where we are. Um, we did a couple of days in West Bay. We went out to the east. How is uh, French Key, this neighborhood here, unique, or how is it different from some of the other neighborhoods? So this is going to be this is going to be pretty funny, but um, French Key, well, French Key is a very, like basically a one big family. Like we have the Jackson family, you have the Arch family have the Dixon family, and those are her last names, of course. And that is basically just about it, to tell you the truth, in this whole community. And we're all basically the one big family. So um, French Key is generally a very safe community. Like, we're kind of known on the island to be a very safe community. And we're also known as something pretty funny. We're also kind of known as like kind of the, the rednecks of the island, where, you know, my, all of my uncles, my family members and stuff, they all own farm animals like cows, pigs. Uh, some of them own horses and goats and it's, you know, anything you find on a farm. And so, um, you know, when I was growing up as a kid here in French Key, the roads, they weren't even, like, they didn't even have any concrete on them. Mm. They were literally just dirt roads in French Key, most of it. And it was super fun to be walking around these dirt roads and just have a chicken walk out in front of you or sometimes a horse, sometimes a cow and anything. You can expect anything around those lines in French Key. And I think that's something that we're very famous on the whole island us. And well, yeah, it's pretty funny. Have you ever been over to like the Czech village? Yes, I have. What is that like? I only saw it from okay. the water. So this it looks wild. I've honestly only ever been into it like twice and I just drove into it. Okay. So to be honest with you, it was a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> because it was just so totally different, you know, um, walking around and driving around. Literally, people like, will like open up the windows. They're like, "Who is this guy?" You know, there's like, they're all they're all the one, you know, nation in there. They're all Czech. Yeah, it's so interesting. Then they tell me, they're like, "Who is this guy?" I'm like, "No, just passing by. <laughs> you know, just passing by. Just passing by. Getting in, getting out." But they have a really good restaurant in there. Uh, it's called Trico. It's right on the water. Literally amazing food. So uh, that's why I was in there, you know, the restaurant. I tried, um, I mentioned on the way over that I tried Machuca. Yes. Uh, when I've asked other people, like, what's something I need to eat? They say, like, balietas. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Other than what you were talking about with the with the drink, is, is there anything that, like, I absolutely have to eat or drink before I leave? Okay, so, Yes. If possible, and you came at a good time, Tim, because they're actually in season right now. But um, there's a certain fruit. 
that's here in the island. It's called breadfruit. It's very similar to a jackfruit. Looks a lot like. One. I love jackfruit. You do. Yeah. Well, you. I'm pretty sure you're gonna love breadfruit. I. I don't think I know anyone that does not like breadfruit. Breadfruit is amazing. It's very similar to the fried plantains. You know, a very local meal. Whenever someone asks me, Luke, describe a local meal or describe me a meal that you had when you were a kid growing up. And I remember I mentioned to you earlier that my, my dad worked in the fishing industry. And so while he was in the fishing industry, he would bring in fried fish and stuff all the time. And so we'd eat, I'm sorry, he would just bring in fish all the time. And so we'd eat fried fish, uh, beans and rice. Have you tried the beans and rice yet? Yeah. Are, are you together? Are you a guy to eat some together or separate? I put everything together. You put, all right, good. You're doing good, Tim. <laughs> You're doing good. You're very much close to being a Honduran now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and so that was like a very local meal of mine. We'd have the, the whole fried fish, some bread, green breadfruit. We fry them just like we do the plantains. They're very similar to what, how you'd prepare, uh, what are they calling them now? Uh, French fries. Oh, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I can't remember what, a, what French fries were. But just how they, they cook French fries, it would be the same how they can cook breadfruit. And really? it is literally amazing. I mean, fried fish, beans and rice, breadfruit, and some lime. It's beautiful. Can't get much more Roatan local food <laughs> than that, to tell you the truth. Um, can you tell me what it's been like here, especially because it's so dependent on tourism during the whole pandemic and COVID and everything? Definitely. So... When, you know, the news came out that there was a virus lurking in Asia, we were all very, honestly, we were very, very joking about it because, you know, the cruise ships were still coming in. We, that last week, we had about five days of cruise ship, the last week right before we shut down, you know? Wow. So for the first few months of COVID, the island basically looked at it as a joke. And I'm, I'm guessing some people may have looked at it seri- a lot s- more serious than others, but everyone that I came in contact with, at least, was saying, oh, it's a joke. It's not going to come here. And it's just not even going to get to this side of the world before they have a cure for it and this and that and this and that, you know. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So the cruise ship stopped coming. Um, the tourism was just shut down. All the tourists that was in the island, they some of them were locked down here for like a whole month before they could get back. I'm talking about people who are who are only supposed to be here for a week. They ended up spending a whole month. Some some of them spending spending more because literally everything was closed down. There's no flights coming back. There's no flights going. Nothing. But eventually they, they had to like hire like charter flights to get back home and stuff like that. And so on, once the island had basically 0% tourists on it, I said, you know something, this is real. And then, you know, the first three weeks I was like, oh, dang, man, I'm finally getting a vacation, Tim. I'm, I was so happy, actually. I was, yeah, first, you know, nice little vacation. Cruise is going to be back next month. We're going to be okay. It's everything good. And then next month came. I'm like, well, the cruise ships are not coming back right now. And then it got really bad then in, 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 the, in, in the States, in America. It got really bad. The, the cases just flew up. Um, and then Honduras then started getting cases. And it was like, it went from 30 to 100 to 300. And it just kept on rising. So then we we're like, okay, well, we, we ought to shut down the island. So at one point, the beginning of COVID on the island, the island was literally shut down. There's no ferries going back and forth. The cargo boats weren't even, the, the, the crew on the cargo boats weren't even allowed to step foot on the mainland. Literally just put the cargo on, we would sanitize it and bring it over, you know? So they, like, they looked at COVID they, COVID, they treated COVID very seriously even before it even got to the island. But unfortunately, we had a lot of people that were from the island that got trapped off island, like on the mainland. Oh. Yeah, so that was really bad because these guys, they, naturally, they wanted to get back home. You know, they were spending money out there. So naturally they wanted to get back home. So people then started coming over in boats, you know, just their own private boat and stuff like that. And if I'm not mistaken, that is how the first case of COVID actually got to the island. And then boom, the island was infested with COVID then. So shout out to our government on the island, to be honest with you, because some of them, they, they, they really did try. They really, really did try to keep COVID away from the island, but it was so hard for them, I could imagine. So once it was actually here then, well, that's when we decided, okay, well, we got to shut down the whole island then. And so all the businesses started shutting down left and right. We had, 
you know, of course, only the essential workers were working every single day. Um, us locals could actually only come out of our house one day a week. And then when COVID got really bad, one day every two weeks. Yeah. So, so what were you doing? Well, I played a lot of video games. <laughs> true. I played so much video games. You have no idea. I think, uh, oh my gracious, I spent so much money on video games during COVID <laughs> because I was just, I was so bored. You and know, you and were saying too that like people sort of reverted to like I need to eat, so I'm just gonna go fishing yeah, and catch yeah, my own fish. Definitely, and I, yeah, I mentioned to you that I ate so much fish during COVID. <laughs> um, we had so many people that they were like, "Well, instead of me spending two thousand lempiras for two days in a grocery store, I'm gonna go spend two thousand lempiras, get some gasoline, some fuel, and go catch me some fish." So yeah, a lot of the people went back to fishing. They started selling the fish. They started farming. We they started planting more plantain trees, banana trees, watermelons. Um, you know, they would kill their you know the kid cat the cows and the pigs and sell their meat and stuff like that. So yeah, a lot of the people went back from what we're living now, what you see on the island now, to what they what it was like before. Yeah, like what it was like before the tourism came back. Well, before the, before the tourism was even here, you know, when my grandpa was a kid, that's why. Remember I mentioned to you that my grandpa owned a lot of uh, land here on the island, right? Yeah. So that's why he owned so much land was because he had to farm. Right. You know, farming was the way to get around back in the day. So a lot of people went back to that, to their roots, basically. It reminds me of the, have you ever heard a song from Alan Jackson? It's called, um, oh my gosh, Gone Country. I think I have. <laughs> oh, well, that, you haven't been on the island long enough. Yeah, right? <laughs> the island, we love country music here and we love Alan Jackson. Oh. So shout out Alan, Alan Jackson to hopefully he gets to hear this. Um, we'll tag him. Yeah, we're going to tag him. Um, there's, in that song, he's basically, basically talking about like how everyone's going country. Everyone's moving you know, to the southern states in, in the states and how there's so many country people or, you know, people from the South that they moved out of the South, you know, go to the city life for a while, but then now they went right back out to the country. So that's what the song is talking about. And that's, that's all I can think about whenever I, I think of, you know, how we went back to our roots, basically. You know, what's interesting about that, uh, and I won't go too far off topic, but that's actually been a common theme on this, on this podcast oh, in a really? lot of episodes in that I think that like, Globally, we've kind of like reached a point with like urbanization and industrialization where things are falling apart so bad that we're going to have to revert to more traditional ways of living. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of like a small microcosm of that, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, it's so cool um, how people, again, like I was expecting such a bad scene to happen on the island when the tourism left like I I honestly had never even thought about it because I never I wouldn't who would think that you know a vi one simple little virus could shut down your biggest way of income for so long yeah you know like no one would who would sit and think about that no one would no one wants to think about it so like it just it, it hit everyone by surprise you know and so once it was here I started thinking about like what's gonna truly happen to the island if we have no tourism and so I just started saying, oh, well, the island's going to be such a dangerous place, um, which is, I don't know why I thought that, honestly, because a lot of the island, we all know each other, a whole big part of it. Like literally, I walk around in West End and I, I literally talk to so much people that I know down there and that's all the way on the other side of the island for me, basically, you know, and soccer helps out a lot with that. I play soccer. I played soccer last night. I'm going to play soccer tonight. <laughs> and I play with different people from all over the island. And so I have a bunch of, of friends that I've met because of soccer. And so, I, you know, none of my friends are going to hurt me. None of them are going to mess with me. And so I, I don't know why I thought the island was going to be so dangerous. But really, it wasn't. We did really, really good. I'm super proud of my island during COVID because, well, again, you know, instead of just trying to take everything, we started to work even harder for what we would get. Um, a lot of people left the island as soon as they could with COVID too, you know, they went to different places, the people that were able to, to get jobs and stuff, you know, in places that were the country, their country was already opened up. They left the island and they would, 
you know, they did get a different jobs and send back money for their family and stuff like that. And so shout out to those guys too, because that was a big sacrifice. Cause I, I know leaving the Island for so long must be very hard. You know, um, this is, this is your home. This is where you grow up. Imagine having to leave it because you can't afford to live on it. Yeah. You know, it, I know it must've been hard. So my yeah. respect for those guys. You know, people can't, see this but I'll describe it maybe they can hear some of the animals in the background but we're here surrounded by monkeys and sloths and macaws yeah you mentioned the family getting like the first animal in 2011 there's a lot of knowledge and information that goes into getting the animals and keeping them healthy and happy and safe how did all this come about and like how long did it take to learn and oh, who my. sort of started I'm all still this learning. <laughs> yeah. we're still learning Tim believe me we know a lot about our animals, but we're still learning. So 2011, Daniel graduated out of high school. Daniel's my brother. And so he wanted a pet monkey. And so we were always a family that we would rescue the animals instead of actually buying one. Like we, I mentioned to you earlier, we have a bunch of cats. We rescued, I think, a total of like, I don't even know how much, probably like seven cats. We have about 10 in total. I don't even, and some of them were born here with us. And so um, all of our cats, you know, we spayed and neutered them and they, you know, they live with us now. They've, all of them are probably about, say, seven, eight, ten years old, some of them. And uh, we also rescued a few dogs. Daniel has a beautiful puppy. Her name is Nala. I miss her so much. Mm-hmm. She's back in the States with him right now. But um, I miss him. I miss her so much. She's such a sweetheart. And literally, Tim, you may not believe me, buddy, but when we rescued her, I didn't touch her for like her first three weeks being with us. And it wasn't because like I was disgusted of her or anything. It's just that I literally felt that me touching her would hurt her somehow. Like that's how bad of a condition her skin was in. Whoa. And well, I honestly have no idea what was going on there, but you got to see her now. Remind me to show you a picture of her. She okay. is such a beautiful puppy and the sweetest thing ever. So we rescued a few dogs. And so my mom was like, Daniel, you're not buying a monkey. You're yeah. not buying a monkey. My mom was super scared of monkeys, by the way. And so at one point, having a pet monkey or having pet birds and stuff, that was very common here in the island, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately because these animals, they're not native here in the island. They belong to the mainland of Honduras, right? And so um, Daniel then kind of started getting the word around saying, well, guys, my mom will let me get a monkey. But just in case... If you know someone that has one and want to get rid of it, I'll take care of it for you. Yeah, like you can just bring it to my house. I'll take care of it. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll figure something out. And so I remember the first day he brought home Tony, who was a spider monkey. And those get pretty big. Oh, yeah. Those guys are half, of, half the size of an average man. Whoa. They're huge. And so I remember the first day he brought Tony home. Tony was only about a year or two old, so he wasn't the size he is now. But he was already pretty big. I mean, he's already way bigger than the capuchin monkeys that we're looking at right now. Um, he brought it home in my mom's car, actually. He woke up early, early, early that morning. And he's like, well, this, this is the day I'm getting my monkey. And so he brought it home. And my mom still didn't even know what he was doing. When he got back, I was getting ready for, for school. And so when he got back, my mom was like, okay, then I need the car. I need to go drop Luke and Danica off to school. He's like, Mom, come here. I want to show you something. Opened up the car door to see Tony just sitting in the, in the passenger seat. Like, I mean, full-on human mode. Like, he was literally sitting. Heck, Daniel may have probably even had his seatbelt on him. Oh, my God. That was so funny. It's and like so, his buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and so my mom got so scared. She closed the door of the car and just like, what are you doing, Daniel? And so he's like, well, this is going to be our new pet. This is Tony. He's going he's gonna, to you know, live with us from now on. And my mom's like, no way. So but eventually she gave in. Um, so Tony went his first few years here with us. He was actually on a leash in the tree, like near the, the, near the mangroves. And we honestly, I say he was on a leash, but he was basically only on a leash at night. Tell you the truth. Daniel would have him. He wouldn't run away. No. Daniel would have him inside of our house with us. Then with that same store I was telling you guys about earlier, the, you know, the little local store here in French Key, we have pictures of Daniel walking Tony, just literally he'll hold on to Tony by the hand, you know, just like you hold a kid or something and walk from here down to that store 
get a, a few of those same juguitos and topeillos and just bring him back. And that was so funny. He'll bite on like a banana or something <laughs> while he's down there. Oh, my gracious. So funny. And so how it kept on growing was Daniel ended up telling too many people that same thing where I take care of your monkey for you. If you don't want it anymore, I got you. And so then some of the capuchin monkeys started coming in too. And then eventually then our family was like, you know what? We love monkeys. Monkeys are really cool pets. However, I wouldn't recommend anyone to get one, but they're very, very cool pets. And so um, then we also began rescuing them. So we'd rescue them. Whenever I say the word rescue, I mainly mean like here on the island, we don't have wild monkeys. So you won't hear me ever say, oh, I was walking in, a, in the woods one day here in the island and found a hurt monkey and brought it home and rescued it. No, I wouldn't say that. I'd, I'd say that about the agoutis, the little brown rodents, mm-hmm. but not any monkeys. So whenever I say the word rescue, like I say, oh, yeah, this monkey was rescued. I'm mainly talking about from people who would bring them over from the mainland where they're native to and they try and sell them here. So it's, it's kind of like uh, we call them poachers, I guess. And so um, we rescued a lot of our animals from these guys. We rescued a few monkeys. We rescued a few birds. But to tell you the truth, a lot of our animals has been born here with us now. Remember, I, me- I mentioned that we've we've had five baby monkeys to be born here. We've had a few baby slots. We've had four baby macaws. And the macaws are probably my... I mean, I love the monkeys, but the macaws are probably like my favorites, to tell really? you the truth. Yeah, they're beautiful. I can't wait to just, you know, so you can actually go see them with me. Well... Hopefully some of the babies stick their head out because we have two babies that are over a year old now and then two babies that are only a few months old and they're beautiful. Tim, the reason why I'm saying they're so beautiful is because they're, two, they're actually kind of like a, a hybrid macaw because, well, I mean, not necessarily a hybrid, but their mom is a great green macaw and then their dad is a red scarlet macaw. So their dad's red and their mom's green. And so the babies, if you look at them back on, they look like a green macaw. But if you look at them front on, they look like a red macaw. They're beautiful. And it's super rare, apparently. Do they also imitate sounds? Yes. Okay. Yes. You can teach them how to mimic. So our birds can say, hello, hola, pretty bird. They say my name, Luke, because my mom yells at me so much. (laughs) I'm just kidding, mom. Um, And so Daniel taught them how to say the word stealers. Did you notice that Daniel's a big Steelers fan when you walked in? Probably not. I didn't see that. You didn't see it? Well, in the entrance of our, our sanctuary, he has a bunch of Steelers props and stuff going oh. on because he's a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And I still don't understand why, <laughs> but yeah, he's a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And um, yeah, so that's where most of our animals came from. Um, and then well, a lot of them, again, were just given to us by people who had them as pets before and they don't want them anymore. You know? So there's no sloths on the island either? There's no wild sloths here, no. Wow. The only thing that I know of, the, the closest thing to a wild sloth you can find on the island would be our sloths. Because our sloths are just out here in the trees in the background of our house. Um, we do not have a cage for our sloths at all. Of course, we have a plan for them if, you know, a bad weather or a hurricane or something were to come in. But um, other than that, they spend day and night out in the trees just... I wish I could tell you they're playing around, but they definitely don't do much of a playing around. They're mainly just asleep. And they'll never like, and not obviously they don't run, but they would never like run away. So, well, this is getting back now on the family thing. Remember I told you our whole, our whole community is just one big family? Okay, yeah. So sometimes we kind of let some of, which is it's not much of them. It's only like two of our slots that actually like moving a lot. So most of our sloths are just out here in the trees. They're totally cool with just staying in the trees all day long, all night long. But one or two of them, they're a little curious. And one of them's our male sloth. And I think that's kind of why. You know how as males, we like to see new things. I mean, think, look at you. You've been right, right. all around the world, basically. <laughs> but um, our male sloth, his name is Sid. He likes to get around. So sometimes he'll climb over to a neighbor's yard. You know, it's far up in those trees all the way up there. And being that it's our, our family, we'll just keep watching him and make sure that we know where he's at. Because, well, of course, our neighbors may have like dogs outside or oh, something yeah. like that that may hurt him if he get down low. But usually he's not low at all. So we just keep watching him, make sure that everything is good. And then we'll we just bring him back after a while. They're not really able to defend themselves, are they? Not at all. They have really big nails, but those nails are only for holding on. They... 
if if like I've watched a few documentaries and I literally almost cried myself of that was one time because there's a jaguar in this documentary that found a sloth while it was used in the bathroom because they live in the trees. They live literally top of the trees, but they climb all the way down to the ground to poop. Oh. Yeah. They and because of that, in the wild they usually poop like once a week. No way. Yeah, I know. And so, but here at our sanctuary, I feel like they know that they're a lot more safe. So I've seen them poop up here like up to like three times in a week. Okay. Um, and so this documentary, a jaguar had actually found a sloth pooping. And the sloth tried to get away. Once he saw the jaguar, he started climbing up as fast as he could, but that's still nothing. They're definitely, they're still slow. Even when they're trying to get away from something, they're literally still slow. And so Jaguar just got him, and the, the sloth, all he could do is just basically just be eaten. Will they, like, unlike the monkeys, do they need to be fed, or will they just eat from the trees? So, kind of both. They would eat from the trees, but we have, well, in back of our house, we have coconut trees, we have almond trees, and we have mostly red mangroves. So out of all those leaves, they actually would probably only eat the red mangroves, and they usually only chew on it for a little bit. Hmm. And then they usually don't eat like a, like a whole bunch of it. So they have a specific leaf that's called Cecropria that they love. And thankfully, we have this tree everywhere on the island. Like when I tell you everywhere, I mean everywhere. So there's actually, you know, being with the sloths and taking care of them for years now, I've learned so much about them, me and, me and my brother Daniel. Um, we've learned that there's actually two different types of this tree. And I'm not sure if this is the actual like correct way to, to differentiate them, but how me and Daniel does it, we'll say, okay, well, this is a male trumpet tree because we call them trumpet, by the way. Here in the island, they're known as trumpet trees because they're so hollow. Okay. And so um, we'll call it, okay, this is a male trumpet tree and we have the female trumpet tree. The difference would be their buds. The male's buds, they're long, they're long and they're brown. The females, they kind of look like a flower and it's yellow. And so the slots only eat the female leaves. I see. So we have to look for all of that when we're, we call it guarumiando. Guarumiando would be basically saying looking for trumpet in Spanish. So that's what we call it when we go get our slot food. We have to do this every single so you, day. You just go collect it? Yeah, we go sometimes all over the island. So if you're ever... You know, doing something on the island and you see a white truck somewhere around the side of the road with someone up in the tree getting a few leaves off the tree. That's what that's that, that's just us. OK, we're just getting some slot food. So it seems like the monkeys each kind of have their own personality. Definitely. Is, is that similar to the sloths or are they less no. like? Yeah. <laughs> well, kind of. I mean, most of the slots are just whatever. Yeah. But we have one by the name of grandma who she is literally a sweetheart. Like she will, if, if I walk close to her, you know, on the dock in the mangroves and she's close enough to grab onto me and she'll like literally grab, literally grab onto me. And if I sit there or stand there long enough, she'll eventually get into the position in which we hold them or well, the position in which we've found them more comfortable to be. And that would be then, you know, they sit in our hands and they hold on to our, our shoulders like. And it is, I mean, she will just, and once she's on us, she'll just sit there and it, and it is literally hard for us to get her off of us sometimes Aww. because she just enjoys being held that much. And, you know, we also have one named Olivia who I've found to do the same thing a few times too. But grandma is literally every single time we go up in the tree next to grandma, she will do that, you know? That's amazing. And then what well, I told you about how Sid likes to walk around a lot yeah. more. So that's, I guess that's a different personality. But, but with the monkeys, you definitely can tell it so much more in the monkeys. I mean, Mike, Mike, he is. Will he respond to his name? Yes. He just looked at us. Mike. Everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, there he is. Mike. <laughs> that's Mike and Ronnie. They're best buds. And and Mike sort of was the alpha. Mike, no, Mike was never really the alpha. Oh. Um, for a long time, our alpha monkey in general was JWoww. She's a female <laughs> monkey. We have yeah, they're all named after the cast of Jersey Shore, by the way. So shout out <laughs> to Jersey Shore too. We're gonna tag those two. Um, but Ronnie, that's that guy right there. So he just looked at us. Ron, what's up, big boy? That was monkey talk, by the way, guys. For all this. <laughs> yeah. 
anyhow, so um, for a long time, J-Rod was the alpha, but then once Ronnie got bigger, he became then the alpha of everyone. So um, J-Rod was still an alpha. She's just the alpha female, and Ronnie's the alpha male. And so you would think that, you know, with the alpha male, another male would probably be like his competition or it probably wouldn't yeah. be good. They would probably fight a lot. I cannot tell you the last time I've seen Mike and Ronnie fight. Like they're literally best buds. Like they, I, they never fight. They never disagree. Look, literally they're playing with each other right now. They play really rough a lot, but they do not fight. So you mentioned before that some of the animals have been born here. If an animal's giving birth or if an animal gets sick, it's all you guys here? There's no, like, vet or something? Yeah, we have we have one vet that works with us always. His okay. name is Dr. Soto. Very, very highly recommended in case, you know, you're ever on the island with, your, your, with a pet of yours and something happens. Um, and then we also have another vet that will work with us sometimes, too. But this vet actually lives in La Ceiba, and he usually only comes over once a week. But... So, you know, he'll come by sometimes to just check him out, make sure everything's good. But mainly it's Dr. Soto, and he's here always. So there's okay. actually a few vets on the island, too. But a lot of stuff, you know, we do ourselves. Wow. Well, we've hit an hour. These go quick. They do. Um, I want to, like, plug this place. Uh, anyone that comes to Roton, how they can find you guys or find you online. I think maybe you sell some merch and stuff, too. So where can people go to further their information after hearing this episode? Well, you guys can go on Facebook. It's called Daniel Johnson's Monkey and Sloth Hangout. And uh, I think the word hangout was literally perfect for us because all of our animals are always hanging out. And well, you hang out with the sloth, so hang out, yeah. But uh, you can look us up on Facebook. We also have a website. I'm pretty sure our website is monkeyandslothhangout.com. Uh, if not, then just look it up on Google, guys. Google us. Daniel Johnson's Monkey and Sloth Hangout. Yeah, and I'll have links within whatever player people are listening to. Um, if you go to the release on Instagram, I'll have I'll tag stuff. I could tag your account. I think I saw you had one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people should come. I'll throw in a quick disclaimer that uh, back, I don't know, 2015, um, I would never say I didn't do this because I did do this. I didn't know. I went to Thailand. I didn't know about the whole tiger industry thing. Uh, And I went to a place and I wish that I had. And it was one of those things where, you know, the tigers were clearly on medicine. It's a a wild cat. Uh, Unless you like raise it from birth, probably a tiger's not gonna want you hugging on it and stuff like that, right? But this place is clean and the animals are happy and comfortable and hangout is the right word. Like this is a really awesome place. And I think that if you come to Roatan, you'd make a big mistake by missing it and not coming here. So, uh, like I said, all that stuff will be in the notes and whatever player you're listening to. And uh, tell them we sent you and that they yeah. should come say hi to Luke because you're a cool guy and you know a lot about this place. And uh, I appreciate you doing this, man. So thank you so much. Not a problem, Tim. I, again, you know, it was my pleasure. I love meeting new people. And this is honestly my first podcast. So cool. super excited. And I... Hope y'all listen to us, and yeah, come look for me when you're here on the island. I'm always here. Awesome. Cheers, man. All right, Tim. See you later. Hey, that is a wrap on episode 239 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. I want to say thank you so much to Luke and to everyone that's working at the Hangout because we had an awesome day meeting all the animals and learning about them. And an extra special thank you to Stephanie, who set up this conversation all the way back in the States. I've been communicating with her as like the liaison to get to Luke. And thanks, Luke, also for picking us up and driving us around French Key and showing us the place. We had a great day and we had an awesome time in Roatan. Man, I had never heard of Roatan before we came here. If you are ever planning a trip to Central America or the Caribbean, this is a must stop. You, you must come here. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. Food's delicious. People are great. There's really diverse culture here that I didn't know about until I started to talk to people. So, yeah, can't, uh, can't give it enough praise. This is a place you must come to. Okay, we are literally flying in about an hour 
and then I will hopefully be bringing you some stuff from the States before I head on to Iceland. So signing off for now, and as always, please, please, please take care of each other. I will catch you very soon. Thank you.